I'm trusting the Lord for greater revelation. Uh, yeah, I've been saying this for a while now, but we need, we need a greater revelation of who He is so that we can properly worship Him. Um, I'm unfortunately convinced more than ever and forgive me for saying this but it's not your fault it's, it, it is where the church has gone that there's a lot of truth in what the Lord said to Israel in the desert that you praise me with your lips but your hearts are far removed We sing many of these words, but we have no revelation of the weight and the truth and the, the substance of it. <laughs> because we haven't seen God. And as we were praying before the time, uh, there's this prayer that just came up into my heart and and. I ask God, show me your glory. You know, like Moses did. But with that came a, a little bit of a revelation. I said to the Lord, for the first time I understood why he asked you to show you, to show him your glory. And I'm going to put up my hand and repent and say that I think that lot, uh, lots of me in, in previous times when I asked the Lord to show me your glory, it was so that I can say that I've seen the glory of the Lord. So I can be among those who have seen the glory of the Lord. I can count myself as one of those. And I repent of that. And this morning there was something in my heart that just understood, Lord, if I don't see your glory, I can't worship you. If I don't see your glory, I can't reflect you. If I don't see your glory, I can't even begin to understand the God that I serve. So I need it. <laughs> I understood why, why, why Moses needed to see the glory of the Lord. Because without it, he could not lead God's people. And that's not a prayer just for pastors or for those leading people or for anyone. It is a prayer for every single person that desires to walk with the Lord. So I'm on a little bit of a mission for myself just to get to know God. <laughs> I wanted to say a little bit better, but not a lot better. <laughs> and uh, so in my journey, I've, I've come across this, uh, this book of A.W. Tozer. Actually, two books. It's uh, like a volume one and volume two. There's so much of it. Uh, and he inspired this morning's message <clears throat> as I worked through it in this week. Um, so the past few weeks, there's this, this theme question I've come across from us, from Rainey and even from myself. That we, we've asked this question, how hungry are you? Because your hunger determines sort of what you receive. And I realized after I've read this week, 
that we don't even know our hunger. We don't understand our hunger and therefore we eat the wrong stuff. Or we eat too little. So what I want to try and do this morning is to try and break open for us how hungry we actually are. And for what we are actually hungry. We sort of know the answer because it's like, you know, we, we must be hungry for God. But do we understand why? And for us to understand that, for us to realize that, I need to sort of put three things on the table. I, want to, I need to put on the table who God is, which is impossible, obviously, to, to, to reveal or to give over, or even in like, I don't know how much time I have, 35 minutes. It's impossible. Uh, so I'm going to just take like two thoughts about him and just put it on the table and say, just have you thought about this? And then the other thing we need to realize is that who you are. That you were made in the image of God. And how those two relate to each other. How that relates to your hunger. And then obviously, lastly, we are going to look at the answer to it or the, the solution to our hunger. Alright, so, so, so let's, look at, let's look at God. The vastness of God. I, that's all I want to do. Like, there's so much about him, it's impossible. It's impossible to go into like his character. Or, 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 but, but let's just think about just how great is our God. The vastness of God. So the Bible tells us that God is infinite. Wait, daarin gedink. God is, wat is oor die Afrikaanse woord vir infinite? Oneindig. It's impossible for our minds to grasp infinite. It's impossible to, to, to connect infinity, if that's even a word. Infinity, thank you. Thank you, my library. It's impossible to connect infinity to a being. And that's what we want to do as people, is we want to connect stuff to God to try and understand Him. So what we do is we give Him measurable attributes. God is like this, or God is like... We spoke in Ryan's cell um, on, on Tuesday that because we don't understand God, we sort of humanize him to try and just contain him. But then we lose out on so much of God, so much of, of who he is. It's impossible to measure God. If God could be measured, he wouldn't be God. Because then there would be an end. Because everything that is measurable has a beginning and an end. But God says, I am the beginning, and I am the end. So wherever God starts is the beginning, and wherever God ends, there, there is the end, but there is no beginning and end to God. Have you ever thought about, like really, at Yalchan Sit, in it's a year, there's no end 
to you. Our children asked us the other day, like, like where, did God, where does God come from? It's like the most horrible question a child could ask his parent. Where does God come from? Who made God? No, God made everything, yes, but who made God? Like, there's no measurable answer for this. God is. I am. So for us to grasp anything about who God is. Oh, God is so clever. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us His Spirit. Because the only one that really understands God is Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Spirit, the Trinity. That's why Jesus said, have you been with me so long and still you don't know God? When Peter said to to Jesus that he was the Christ, that he was God, he said, no one revealed this to you except for the Holy Spirit. Nee? 1 Corinthians, kijk gedaan Michael, 2 verse 9 to 12 says, However as it is written, no eye has seen. Uh, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. These things God has prepared for us who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the own Spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely, freely given us. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Okay, so I know like in context, this doesn't talk about who God is. What I'm trying to just put through is that it can only be revealed through the spirit. That is why we need to be on a journey with Holy Spirit. And, and almost daily and momentarily just say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal God to me? I'm becoming more and more convinced that's why He gave me the gift of tongues. Because when I just stand before Him, I get all my worldly measurements and things out of my head and the things that I can see and the things that I can perceive, I just pray in the Spirit there's something that happens in me that reveals Him to me in my spirit man. I want to encourage you to be on that journey. God is boundless. He has no boundaries. Onuitputbaar. We, 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 we sort of think in our hearts that, that God can give you a little bit of Him and you a little bit of Him and you a little bit of Him and a measure there and a measure there and a measure there. Or like if God loves you, then He can't love me. He was all jaloers. Want I think God that jou liever is for me. As if they can only be like ten and six. Ten love to you, six love to you, and three love to you. God is onuitputbaar. There is no end 
to everything or anything about him. There's no end to his goodness. There's no end to his mercy. There's no end to his love. There's no end to anything about him. Because Lisa Paaskrifte, in Konings 8 verse 27 sê, um, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. All of the heavens. We al ge star guys. Met a telescope. Ek praat nie van met jou gold lens. Oh, kijk, is ook baie mooi. But even that, I mean, it's vast. Who's ever tried to count the stars? And all we can see is like our little galaxy. So the heavens and even higher above the heavens and higher, alles, dit gaan en gaan en gaan en gaan cannot contain God. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. 147 verse 5 says, Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. There's a recurring theme in, in Kronike, Chronicles. Achnie in Kronike and, and yeah. Um, first and second chronicles they keep repeating this theme say the um, the lord is good and his love endures forever his love endures forever het jou gedink hoe ver is forever when i was in varsity i had a friend who was an actuary and he could not Stand thinking about the term forever. It like freaked him out. He says, I can't, I can't even, I, I, I can't fathom thinking about that there will be a forever. That, they, that, that you can't count it. You can't count the days. God's love is forever. Ach, Heere, Heilige Gees, because I'm human, even my words, like, that fall short. <laughs> even when I read these Psalms, and I think, like, it falls short. Our language falls short of trying even to describe God. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you will reveal in our hearts something about the magnitude of God. Yes. God cannot be contained in his creation. Because his creation exists in him. Yes. He's actually bigger than everything. Exactly. Fang it at it. Psalm 139, David had this revelation. See, God is in all things. And simultaneously, God covers all things. Everything is in Him and He is in everything. It's unfathomable. So, you don't have to try to figure out your head. Make your head up. Let Holy Spirit reveal something in your spirit this morning.
God is immense. He is massive. Isaiah 40, 25, 26 says, To whom will you compare me, says the Lord? Or whom is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out a starry host one by one and calls forth each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Weet jy dat daar buiten, outside there, somewhere in the galaxies, are suns that are so big that it can contain thousands of our sun. And there are, there are solar systems so big that it makes our solar system that we think is so massive look like a grain of rice. And then you go further and further and further and it never stops. Yet God contains it all. He holds it all in His hands. The other day I read Job and uh, I didn't put this on the board but I'm going to read you. I just want to read you Job 38. 7 to 39, just Job, jy moet eindelijk al jylle laaste klomp goeders gaan lees, 38, 37, 38, 39, 40, oor God putting Job back on his place. <laughs> nee, but listen to this. Say, while the morning stars, uh, yeah, Job 38, 7 to 38, say, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for, for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its, clouds its garment and wrapped it in the thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no further. Here is what your proud waves... Excuse. Now they're my black for <clears throat> have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it the earth takes shape like clay under a seal its features stand out like those of a garment the wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? Or where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their place? Do you know the paths to, the, to their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail? which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for, a to for the torrents of rain, and the path for the thunderstorm, to water a land where no one lives, an, inhabited, um, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wastland, and to make it sprout with grass? 
Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of the um, Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellation of the seasons and lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the law of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? Who gives its um, abyss wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the um, clods of earth stick together? En dan gaan het aan en aan en aan en negendarig in, in. Go read that. So God says to Job, sort of, do you want to give me advice? <laughs> How often do we do that? <laughs> so the other thing I want to look at, When I've, when I've read and studied about being in the image of God, obviously we look to, to Jesus Christ as our, as our um, firstborn among many. As He was born of God, so we who are new in Christ have become reborn again and we've been created, recreated in the image of God. And Second Peter says, Therefore we have all things... We need pertaining to life and godliness. We need, we've got everything we need to live the God kind of life. To reflect Him. To be like Him. And yet, we struggle with it. In one of the chapters in his book, A.W. Tozer says, So why aren't you happy? He says, Christians are supposed to be the most life-filled Happy, jubilant, amper irritatie, gelukkig people on the earth. Why aren't you happy? And then he goes on to say, because we feed ourselves with what we don't need. <laughs> with what can't satisfy us. We feed ourselves with what can't satisfy us. I want to do an illustration. I was keeping it for the end, but I'm going to do it now. Take one, and then send send around. Moet meer as een vat, nie vat een. Dis my ontbijt. Nie is recht. But keep it. Ok, moet dit nog eet heen, he? Jy gaan dit nou nou eet, so moet dit in jou handsak gooi, of iets dat jy dit nie weer kan kry, nie? Wil jy nog een heen? 
Oh, dat is alweer in. Dit zal ook doen. Okay, so if we are made in the image of God, our spirit man, ons vlees is nie in die beeld van God nie, our spirit man is made in the image of God. I believe when Adam and Eve, before sin fell, before they sinned, their soul reflected God perfectly. They had everything he had, they had his love, they had his, actually they didn't have his love, they were love like he was love. I even believe that they were, that they were in his image, so they were as vast as he was vast. Not in, not in authority and not in, um, uh, supremacy but their souls too were never ending I believe our souls are never ending Jeremiah 1 says before you were formed in your mother's womb I knew you so I believe that I was with God before I was formed in my mother's womb and then I came to a body and I believe that when this body gets laid to earth, my soul will then once again go to God for those who believe in Christ and not to God for those who do not believe in Christ. And that will be your eternal destination, state. Nee? Let's listen to this quickly. Net om het vast te maak uit die woord uit. Jesus sê in Johannes, John 5, 28-29 sê, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear my voice. Are they going to hear it with their physical ears? I don't think so. They will hear my voice and come out. The soul Those who have done what is good will rise to life, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Dan sê in Matthew 10, 28, sê, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So what I'm trying to say is that we are eternal. Your soul is eternal. I want us to grasp this. In the image of God, in the image of God, grasp this, that your soul, your spirit man, don't try, is also big enough to contain the heavens. I did this exercise one day when I was small and I didn't really know what I was doing but it freaked me out. I tried to look what I could see inside my soul. I was a kid. I tried to, it's like, I just thought, if I can look into what, what will I see? And before I had any of this, what I saw was vastness. 
it was, there was no end to it. So I'm convinced that in the image of God, my soul is also big enough to contain all of creation. Kijk, ik wil niet, ik wil niet, ja. Oké. Just go with me. Just go with me. Jylle kan later met my kom praat oor skrifte en goeders. If you, if you want to bring scriptures to say I'm wrong, please, please do it. Alright. But we are made in the image of God. We are spirit and we are not this. And we think of ourselves as contained by this. I've had an experience one day where the Lord led me to uh, sacrifice and bury my idols. So what I did is, in my mind's eye, I buried myself, (laughs) buried my body. And I saw myself in the spirit standing on top of the grave of the body which I have just buried And all of a sudden, because my body was in the ground, my spirit started growing and growing and growing and growing and growing because it was not yet contained. It was not contained anymore by this. Just sharing an image that I had. So... I believe that at the fall of man, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, what they had was the life of God in them, and the life of God left. I believe that is the meaning of when God said, you will surely die, is that my life will leave you. My sustaining life, whatever has been sustaining you, whatever has been fulfilling you, whatever has been making you full of love and full of all of my attributes. They didn't fight until after the apple was eaten. Until after Adam said, this woman you gave me. That was like the first fight. Until then they didn't. Because they were complete. They were full. They had no need They did not fight. They did not argue. They were not selfish. Because they had no need. Because God was fully in them. And with them. His life was in them. When they sinned, the life of God left. And all of a sudden, they were like babies screaming, I'm hungry. I need to get something to give me life. But now God is so separated from them because they are full of sin that He cannot come and give them His life. So they needed to start getting life for themselves. So first was the hunger then the selfishness. Because now all of a sudden, what were they left with? All they were left with, with were measurable things. Goed wat kan opraak.
Because I cannot spend time at the same time. I cannot spend personal and quality time with my wife and with my kids at the same time. So they fight among each other of who's going to get my time. It creates quarreling. All of a sudden, the vast resources we need to get, we need to get rich, we need to get position, we need to get status, we need to get all these things because that fills me up, that makes me, that makes me feel like I, can, I am somebody, that fills something in me, that fills a void in me. But the problem is that all those things are measurable. Now look at the seed in your hand. Set it in your mouth and slick it. Get it. Wie is versadig? <laughs> Who's satisfied by, by this? <laughs> Precies. Trying to feed your infinite soul in the image of God with measurable things that the world can give will be like eating the seed and thinking it will satisfy you. There was a lady 600 years ago. Her name was Lady Julian of Norwich. She had a wonderful revelation of God. And uh, she wrote a book, The Revelation of the Divine Love. And in this revelation, the Lord showed her the vastness of, of, of His all, the vastness of everything. And then all of a sudden, He showed her a little nut. And He said that everything in your life, everything in this world, everything you know is this little nut compared to my vastness and compared to who I am. This created a revelation in her of her need for God. And she came to this conclusion about being fulfilled by God. The conclusion, she, she says, is anything less than God ever me wanteth. I'll, I'll explain it. This was written 600 years ago, so it's like very old English. Anything less than God ever me wanteth. What it means is that whatever we try to fill ourselves with, apart from God, will leave us wanting. And I understand the problem of sin. Because the origin of all sin is selfishness. I want. I want something. I want to feel better. I want more of this. I want more of this. And because, because there's not enough for you and me, I want it more than you. I want it before you. I want. I want. 
And I understand why Christ came and He broke the power of that sin because He came to give us all things we need pertaining to life and godliness. He gave us this. There's a story that says that Alexander the Great one day wept bitterly. So he conquered the whole of Europe pretty much, Rome, and he wept one day bitterly because there were no more worlds to conquer. That's what he fed himself with. Ne? Greatest showman. That theme song. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars who steal from the night sky will never be enough. Never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it will never be enough. Never be enough. Anything except God will leave you wanting. David understood this. I believe he had a wonderful revelation of who God is and his place in God, his loving God. In Psalm 63, verse 1 to 8, he says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing, my lips will praise you. Oh, um, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. And it's very interesting that term of I cling to you. It's the same term that gets used in the New Testament when Jesus says, believe in me. Believing in Jesus is not just knowing that He came and He died for our sins and He was on the cross and that He paid for our sins and that we are saved from hell. That is not believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus is clinging to Him as if He is your only life. He is your life support. It is like a guy clinging to a, to a boy that wants to get taken down, or it's like a guy clinging to an a oxygen mask that can't breathe. Clinging to Jesus. That's what it means to believe in Him. It's not just knowing about Him and what He has done and saying, I believe it's true. He is your life. You must cling to Him. A.W. Tozer wrote this in that book. He says, This is the greatest calamity 
for a human soul. To be made in the image of God with a spirit so big that it can contain the universe and yet cry for more. Imagine a soul bigger than the heavens and the heaven of heavens yet empty of God. Imagine going through eternity crying, Ever me wanteth, O God, forever and ever. O God, I'm hungry and I can't eat. I'm thirsty and I can't drink. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. The greatest calamity for a human soul is if we try and feed ourselves with anything other than God. It just makes perfect sense to me that not if my sin, that says I psyche. It's impossible for anything else to satisfy my soul because my soul is in the image of God and therefore only God can satisfy. And the reason we're not satisfied is because we don't understand how hungry we are. We don't understand the size of the portion we must eat. <laughs> we don't understand the, the substance of the nutrients we must take in to be able to be satisfied and grow. And because we don't understand it, we satisfy ourselves with the scraps that come off the table, even in church, even in religious stuff, even in our time spent with God, even in all that. We're satisfied with a verse a day, or we're satisfied with spending, like doing one prayer in the morning when I wake up and one prayer in the evening when I go to sleep. We're satisfied with, with watching video clips on YouTube and teachings and thinking that we spend time with God. We must come to the place where we say, I want to sit at your table, Lord. Daily. I want to be filled up with you and everything about you because only you can satisfy. And I thank the Lord. I understand now why Jesus stood on that hill and he looked at the people and he wept. Wept because they were so hungry but filling themselves with all kinds of religious junk. He's looking at the Jews. Talking to the Jews. And then he shouts out, John 7, 37, On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, believes, clings to me. 
Whoever makes me his life. Whoever makes me his satisfaction. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Earlier, he personally said this to the woman at the well. He says, everyone who drinks this water in John 4, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Our problem is, in this life, is that we try to cut away the things of this world through through trying to be good or trying to be, uh, what is the word? Prudent. Oh, you may not watch this. Oh, you may not watch this. Oh, you may not do this. Oh, you may not touch this. Oh, you may not do this. Because that is not what Christians do. So we try and do it from that way. And what do we do? We starve ourselves even more. So we get even more hungry. So we go more hungry. We say, oh yes, but this looks... What did, what, what did Eve say? To, um, what did the Bible say about Eve? Say, the fruit looked pleasant to her, to the eye. And looked good to eat. That it also satisfy. So we look at that like, like that to the world. But what if we go to the other side and we say, I'm so filled with God. I'm so filled with His presence. I'm so filled with my time this morning with Him. I'm so filled that I do not need anything. I do not need you to be good to me. I do not need you to love me first. I do not need you to look at me the right way. I do not need you to respect me first. Because I'm filled with the love of God. I'm filled with who He is. I'm filled with His presence. I'm filled with His glory. And therefore I can love you no matter what. I can be good to you no matter what. I can be the image of God no matter what. Because I'm filled and full of Him. We've got it wrong. First satisfy your hunger. And gushing streams of water will flow out of you and will never end. Verily, verily, I say to you, says Jesus in John 6, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you um, and had your full. Once again, looking for material, fleshly food. You do not understand what I truly want to give you. I do not want to give you bread on the table. I do not want to give you that nice car. I do not want to give you that big house. I do not want to give you all those things that you are so asking me all the time for. I want to give you myself. I want to give you the bread of life. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked Him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, 
to receive, or to believe in the one he has sent. And then later in verse 35 he says, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm not going to ask us to forsake all things and eat the bread. I'm going to ask us to fill ourselves so with the bread of life that all other things will be worthless. Unless you eat my flesh, you drink my blood, you can have no part in me. He gave himself the bread of life so that we can be fully satisfied with him and by him. Come, cry for